This week's episode of Probably Science is brought to you by The Great Courses Plus, who are offering a 14-day trial with unlimited access to their entire library for free if you visit thegreatcoursesplus.com slash probably. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Probably Science. I'm Matt Kirshen. I'm Andy Wood. Wow. What a, what a straight, what a different world we're in today. Right? Compared to last episode. Yeah, it's interesting how... What, quickly... a, what a mildly different world. <laughs> Are you optimistic right now? I'm less pessimistic. Same. It really. I, I'm surprised at how much I genuinely felt a change in my overall stress level. Like I know that shouldn't be... This shouldn't have been a thing that affected any of us yeah. that directly, but I really... I kind of sleep better a little bit. I, I, I will say... We should introduce our guests. Yes, but, let's then, do that. I'm, I'll talk without being introduced. I don't give a fuck. But um, also, can I say fuck? Yeah, <laughs> great. That's Alex um, Falcone, who can say fuck. Thanks, guys. Um, hi. I did. Did I have? I'm sorry for not listening. Was your last one before the election, or was it during it was. the stress time? It was before the election. Oh, okay. And, okay. and I'll say my my two disappointments in order are possibly not taking the Senate. Right, uh, and, and not and, ever finding out if America could be great again. Right, and and, <laughs> and losing some congressional seats, um, but very much eclipsed by my biggest disappointment, which is uh, living about eight hundred yards from the street party that was trending on Twitter oh. while I was in Utah. <laughs> no, they were not, was, people weren't dancing in the street in Utah. They they were not. They they were surprisingly. It was uh, it was a lot more muted. Let's put more it this sedate. way. sedate celebration utah I, second only to wyoming i believe in terms of uh trump to biden vote share uh, not mean? a lot of partying in my neighborhood either um it was actually since i've moved to la the only day that did not have fireworks <laughs> <laughs> it's like a constant thing here but this was that was a it was a quiet day everyone was uh pretending to be asleep we we were in a we were in an animal sanctuary as the story was breaking and oh. uh and the staff there was sort of being quietly celebratory for the most part, except for <laughs> one member of staff who looked distraught. Oh, interesting. This was on like Saturday as, as things were finally this announced. was Yeah, this was Saturday at about uh, 10 in the morning, 11 in the morning. Yeah. As the news was trickling in. Uh, or slamming I in. I can't believe how much earlier... Um, I mean, don't judge me. I like to look at a, a wide variety of news outlets in general just to see what everyone else is seeing. And uh, Fox I, I, News called a whole bunch of states way for for Biden way earlier I, than other. I don't judge on that basis at all. Firstly, I think it's health, healthy to <laughs> watch a bunch of other news, and secondly, yeah, that's that's the odd thing about Fox News's news division, and specifically their election polling and statistical analysis division, are wildly separate from their opinion. People. It was very like, clear last week that that was the case. Yeah, yeah. So but it we, also got him in trouble, right? Because they called Arizona so early, then they Arizona, couldn't call Nevada after it was obvious to everybody. Arizona was obvious too. Ari- yeah, yeah. that's that's the craziest. Like Arizona and Nevada were obviously both going Biden, and that's all that he needed. And everyone acted like Georgia and Pennsylvania mattered. They didn't. Like it was ninety nine percent reported, or whatever, maybe ninety percent in Nevada, and the the county that was remaining was the one that has Vegas in it, which yeah. is only going to keep going more towards. It's so silly we didn't call it I, on I've like been Wednesday. deep diving into statistical uh, frauds and statistical uh, myths that are propagating around the internet today, yeah. including uh, 
we've we've talked before about Benford's Law. Oh yeah, that's a great. Oh, that's oh. Tell me more. Tell me more. I'm I obviously cool. know, I, I obviously know this, but remind the listeners. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so Benford's law in general is is a sort of general principle where if if you have a data set where numbers are fairly even, naturally and evenly distributed. More the about num- the natural part than the more about yeah. like naturally occurring sort of. Naturally, thing. yeah, naturally occurring statistics such as like the range of heights of people or the range of like size of coastlines or just any. Um, anything like that. Um, Although, wait, I, does, does the heights, does, it, does this hold for heights? I could see an argument for why it wouldn't. But Yeah, height, heights is about it. Well, it depends what what unit you're using, but oh, that wait, is, comes is into play in a second. Is this the one where the numbers are supposed to be low? Uh, yes. 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 The the, yes. The leading number, the first number is supposed to, in general, is one far more than any other number, and then two, and then three, and so on. And numbers beginning with nine are the least common. And you, you can sort of see why if you think about, if you just imagine counting up from 1 to 100 and just mo- making a little tally chart as you count up of the leading number. So at the beginning of the counting, you go 1, so it's 1 in the 1 column and nothing anywhere else. And then as you go 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, those numbers, each of those numbers creep, bounces up to 1 to join it. And then you get to 11, and then you get to 10, and then 10, 11, 12, 13, it's all the one column is just growing and growing and growing until you get to 20, and then the two column meets this, and then the three column, and so on. And then until you get to 100, and then it's 100 numbers in a row where it's one. So, so this sort of keeps going. So if you, were to take a, if you were to shout stop at any given point, the chances are the one column would be the highest. And I'm uh, way more likely to give up before 100 when right. it hasn't equalized yet. So it, exactly, or or it or it's or would have ticked over to the next one. It would have ticked over to the thousands or the ten thousands, or so, and so on. I think it uh, also has to do with the fact that so many natural phenomena are more are more easily looked at on logarithmic scales than on linear ones, right. which is also like you know if something sort of takes off more quickly, then it spends less time in those higher like. Because like, I'm not sure what you said is exact. If you took an infinite timeline, which is impossible, but an infinite timeline and just randomly sampled places on it, I'm not sure Benford's law would apply to that. It, it wouldn't on how, an infinite yeah. timeline right. because in an infinite timeline, all every starting number will occur an infinite number of times. So that wouldn't hold. Right. But uh, but or a finite timeline, infinite, it would. Theoretically. Oh, yeah. yeah. But... Um, but when it's actually used, if you look at data sets, right. you when see a lot re- of ones. real numbers occur in the world yeah. in, in, yeah. in ways that are that are naturally distributed. Which so in, right in general, it can also be used to sometimes not prove fraud, but give an indicator that you might want to investigate some numbers. Because if you say look at the someone's expense account for their business, and the numbers don't follow Benford's law there is a chance that they've just been making up numbers and putting them in the column. And because they're not good at making up numbers randomly in the correct way, they've cheated. Uh, it'll show up. Because if I'm sitting down to do fraud, I'm like cooking my books. As I'm going to be like, I want to make these numbers seem random. So I'm going to use nines a fair amount to seem random, but that would actually be less likely. Yeah. Yeah. Or nine is the leading as, digit. Yeah, if you yeah. had nine as often as you had one, then that would set off people. That would set off laws right. for anybody comparing it to this law. I love this because the because the idea that you're cooking books and also know Benford's law is just a very small overlap. Right. <laughs> yeah. I guess you could, if you knew Benford's law, you could cook all your books and then go back and sort of like make sure they're all distributed correctly, but the values are about the same. You know. Yeah. We, um, you, that would be such good 
good work. Book, for, such good book cooking. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah well, you'd be a book chef yeah, at that yeah. point. <laughs> but what's, what's happened is this sort of occasionally useful law slash rule of thumb has been misapplied to various election races by people trying to prove voter fraud when it can't be. And oh a no, bunch of all of this build-up, and the answer is it's not real in this case. It's, it's not real in this case. I'm left, for, I'm let down. For similar reasons to uh, what Andy was just saying, if you're talking about heights, let's say you're talking about um, uh, height in feet. It's, oh, that's true. Not a lot of one-foot people. Exactly. Most people, yeah. most people, most humans will be somewhere between the four and the six mark with... Um, yeah, or if it's online with... dating, four and seven. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so everyone's uh, between six one and six two. It's crazy. Yeah. So <laughs> well, for example, they except looked... Trump was six three. Clearly, <laughs> undeniably six three. No way he's not six three. So <laughs> I'll, I'll link to this in the show notes because there's a good breakdown of why this doesn't hold true for some data sets in Chicago that they've tried to use to prove that it's false. Where. They've got like the sort of Benford's law map for each of the candidates, and they're like um, the libertarian candidate Benford holds true. The um, uh, obviously Trump uh, Pence ticket Benford holds true. Uh, the Green Party holds true, and then uh, Biden Harris it doesn't. It's sort of peaking around the three or the four. Boom. It would be great if someone tried to use this law to be like, of course they're cooking the books. Look, in all these states, you've got these guys who have like 40-ish percent of the... <laughs> yeah. yeah. Where are the 10% percent <laughs> Well, so it's exactly that. And it just comes from the fact that Chicago City is extremely heavily skewed towards Democrats. And in each of these little voting... In each of these districts, in each of these polling station, counting stations, whatever 80 to 90% of the number of um, votes there are on average in Ethiopia stations tends to clock in at a number that starts with three, four, or five. So, whereas for Trump and these, for Trump and uh, Pence ticket, they're, they're coming in at about a quarter of that. So their numbers are coming in around one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and, and ditto for the libertarians, where it's in an order of magnitude smaller again. So it's it's just that. And one of the people who wrote a paper that is being incorrectly cited has had to now publish oh a, god i was reading this today I'll, well, I'll link to it in the show notes but there's sort of like it's only 10 pages a pdf that he just put out of just a, a sort of emergency paper slash essay explaining why benford's law does not hold true in this election in these specific cases and there's also a bunch of other studies that show that benford can't be used in general to prove election fraud i guess it's, i shouldn't be surprised it's... by this but you're clearly reading smarter fake accusations of fraud <laughs> than most of the accusations of fraud I've seen where they're like, that van that has Biden written in Sharpie is using to yeah. sneak in all these ballots as if the illegal ballot van would take the time to write on the side of the van who it's for. <laughs> like, well, it's weird that those and, same and people who believe that, keep, that The videos that keep getting put out as well of like, yep. supposedly a poll, vo- a poll worker throwing away a ballot but while cameras are trained on her and this police officer stood there, like it would be the most brazen fraud in the world to do it on a live stream. I mean, the thing, I mean, one thing that I, I find actually kind of scary about this whole thing is being reminded just how terrible thing? we are at doing this. <laughs> yeah. No, well, there's a lot of things. But one thing about it is that, you, like, in the non fraud, we're really crappy at this process. Like there was the the story out of Georgia where they were like one of the counties just printed the ballots the wrong size. 
so they couldn't count them. So they had to take them and then the correct side ballot and then with observers carefully copy them over to like a millimeter smaller ballot and then staple them together and put them into the computer with their matching serial numbers and then run it through the counter. And this is like, exactly one of the things that gets used as proof of fraud. And I yeah, use no, the word just proof dumb. loosely because they're like, because they'll say, here's a video of a poll worker filling out a ballot. Right, right, right. <laughs> it's and it's just... not that. But yeah. also, what a rickety-ass democracy. It's so crazy. Yeah. It's so crazy. Um, are, are you guys aware, by the way, and we'll, we should move on from the election in a second, because there's a bunch of other science stories to cover. And also because but... every other podcast you've been listening to today also was about this, so you might want a break. Exactly. <laughs> but as a little piece of entertainment, are you aware that the Republican Party sent, set up a voter fraud hotline? Oh, yes. Of that, course I am. Uh, let's just say has not been treated with absolute seriousness by some of the callers. <laughs> the, the, the TikTok teens are the heroes of 2020 <laughs> that we were not, no one was expecting. Yeah. And, and one guy who's the showrunner of a Disney show has created an accidental meme because he posted an initial one and now a bunch of people have copied where... Various people are calling in, claiming to have seen a man who clearly fits the description of the Hamburglar. <laughs> <laughs> to, to the point that now there's videos that people are posting online of the, per- to the person on the other end of the phone going, yes, we've had the Hamburglar thing quite a lot. Thank you very much. And hang <laughs> That's so great. <laughs> and in that video, the person who's answering the phone, of course, is Mayor McCheese. <laughs> taking it very seriously who by the way whose election i do not recognize <laughs> <laughs> you haven't conceded in the race. Was, uh, i don't know if there I were some be real irregularities that in that yeah yeah i feel like grimace voted at least 12 times <laughs> <laughs> i understand that some of them are hamburger heads yeah, but what is yeah, the grimace is, supposed to be is he we, just we've talked about this on the podcast way you have too much. yeah I, I, I every time we do i forget what grimace's origin story is and i have to look it up because Probably it's not what science, you think. but it could also be mostly dedicated to mcdonald's characters i think he was like he was sort of more grouchy and, and a villain but uh, and then they decided to make him likable but still have this depressed but sort name. of look like a big purple ball sack yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm not going to google it again but the, no, the listeners can do that yeah so, Alex, um, we, we like to ask our guests this before we get deep into the science stories. Yes. What, what, if anything, is your background in science? And that's ranged from I've got a degree in it to I blew stuff up in the woods with my friends to I had a teacher that I liked or hated. Oh, interesting. Interesting. I will say that I, um, I very little qualifications for the most part, um, except uh, that I the last book I read was a 900-page book on nuclear physics that I don't know why I added to my list, but I'm so dedicated to whatever is on my reading list. I will not, like, it was like a year and a half where I didn't read anything else. There was like <laughs> one paragraph a day. I'm going to get through this goddamn book what once I've book? opened it. Um, it, was a, the, it was the history, the, the making of the atomic bomb. Uh, okay. And uh, so I've just been really, for some reason, really interested in uh, um, atomic bombs recently. So that's like weird cred. And I'm like embarrassed to tell anyone else that. But here it feels like a safe space. Very safe. Um, I took like, there's this class, there's a physics class from Berkeley that was available online when I was a teenager and I was not studying science and I, but I loved this. I like watched this guy's whole YouTube series. And then like every five years I rewatch it. And he mentioned this book as being a really good book about the bomb. And so I put it on my list and then just once I crack a cover, I'm not allowed to touch anything else until I get through it. Oh, I like that as a policy. It's, no, it's the worst policy. No, you shouldn't. It's everybody who's good at reading will say like, no, you have to, if you don't put it down, I could have read 10 books in the last year. And instead, I was just like, I just hate reading. 
It was the most interesting, boring book I've ever read. <laughs> I highly recommend this book because it's like he goes so far into so many things that are not interesting. And then also it's like in the end, you're like, I, I know so much things now. I know so much stuff. And I'm and what a crazy thing that we all did for a little while. Yeah, right. Well, what's not that you have to not that the purpose of a book is to glean this level of information, but like what sort of dinner party stuff did you take away from that? Oh, so many good things. One of uh, my favorite like tidbit that I've been um, thinking I would tell someone if I talked to someone besides my wife. Um, so I told her twice. Um, but if I ever run into anyone else again, I will tell them, which is that um, when uh, we finished the bomb before we dropped it, we were we like, it was a big problems of whether or not we we're gonna tell Russia because they were our uh, allies at the time. And finally, uh, right before we were going to use it, uh, we were at the, it was the Potsdam conference, I believe. And the president was like, Hey, just so you know, we have this really cool bomb. And, uh, Russia was like, yeah, neat. And then they didn't talk about it again. And the reason why uh, he was not so interested is because he fucking knew, uh, (laughs) there were two Russian spies working in Los Alamos that just knew everything so russia knew everything the whole time so it was like a week after world war ii they were like hey we got one too surprise but uh, again our ally at the time still was yeah but we and we knew they were about to not be right. but um yeah our ally had really good embedded spies and they just knew everything about the bomb every day that's kind of awesome i it, i, I, I mean if I you like losing that, but... internationally it's really interesting <laughs> But Russia basically ate our lunch on spying. Every time there was a spying thing, they were way better at it than us. And that inc- I'm saying us like I was around or involved in any sure, of Sure, but, but I get it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, your your it's yeah. Yeah. the same <laughs> way you could say us about the Dodgers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's It sounds a little annoying to other people, but it's way more uh, convenient conversationally to say us. But yeah. Um, yeah, that's a super interesting fact to me. I love that. I love that. Yeah, I um, I I I, I hate to segue into this, but um, no, I don't. What am I saying? I've I've also been trying to bone up on a bit of history mm-hmm. over the last yes. few months. Um, yes. Matt knows this. Alex doesn't. Our listeners don't know this. So we had a good day Saturday, most of us, right? And then uh, the next day, obviously things. We had one nice day in 2020, and then it had to be taken from us when we lost Alex Trebek. Oh, yes. Um, which is also the day that I was freed from the embargo, and I'm allowed to talk about the fact that I'm on Jeopardy on Monday. Yes. Congratulations. So, uh, yeah. So that's that was weird. I got the email on Saturday night with my like official picture with Alex where I'm 20 feet away from him because of COVID. It's the weirdest... It was the weirdest day of my life, that taping. I mean, already it was you know surreal to be this in this thing that I watched my entire life and dreamed about being on, but then also to have all these bizarre COVID precautions in the middle of it. And, and the uh, knowledge that Alex is sort of working through terminal illness. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. So I'm not, I won't talk about any of the game specifics as I'm not supposed to until it airs. But um, as far as that goes, he, I mean, I, I loved him before. Obviously we all love him. He's been part of our lives for the better part of 40 years. Um, but I, his professionalism, like not a single missed line, like just nailing everything. Oh, really? I assume there's a lot of like retakes no, of pronunciations no and stuff. No, just nailed everything out of the gate wow. and, you know, super charming. And everyone makes fun of him for being like, um, not brusque, but you know, in the interviews, like he can, he can be a little cold. Yeah. I don't think it's, but it's really like, you have so little time to do it. Totally. You have to So you know, I was super conscious of that and wanted to like be very short. So there's not one of those. Edits, you can see someone told too long of a story because they don't know how 
human Can I ask you a question about that? I know sure. you, so, only so much you're not you're allowed to talk about, but when you, I assume you give him an, a set of options that are like, here are my four dinner party anecdotes, and then yeah. he chooses one. Is it's, that how it goes? It's exactly four. It's funny. Well, the the, oh, applica the application is really long, and I'm not sure if you had to answer all of the sort of. It's almost like a dating app that has like prompts for things that might be interesting stories. Six two. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, the thing that I sent in was like, I don't know, 10 page. It was really long, but then they select four of them. And then they said, well, we're not going to tell, we don't tell Alex what to do. We give him four options and he's going to pick the one he wants to talk to you about. So just, you know, be aware. These are the four that might come up. Um, and what else was interesting? Um, did he pick one that you wanted? Was it a good one? Well, uh, Wait, oh, wait, should, oh, I'm trying oh, to think whether I should give away. Yes, oh. yes. I was very, I was very happy with what he chose. Um, did he? Did he pick three of them? <laughs> you're not going to get that. When does the embargo end? You're on not Tuesday get, or on did he Wednesday? A hundred of them. <laughs> you're not going to get me. Um, Are but you no, what, delivering this from a golden airship to you now? But uh, Alex was also like in in between some of the um, like in the commercial breaks, you could hear these conversations that obviously weren't for the players. Um, but, but, you know, they weren't trying to keep it secret, but like the either stage manager or director was basically saying to him, you know, you know, you don't have to do this. And you could see that like when the cameras are on, he, he looked and acted so healthy and sharp. And like, yeah. you could tell when, when the cameras turned off that like he, he was struggling, you know, like oh. not in, not in any, in any way that was, uh, um, sad. It just like the, the stage manager or director was like, you don't have to do this. And he's like, no, we're gonna. You could tell he's, he's like powering through because he yeah. loves that show so much, and it's just such an amazing thing to watch. You know, like because he was recording episodes ten days before he died. Yeah. So yeah, I and, I just, and not a small number, right? He does a bunch in a day. Like no, he was working hard five a day. Yeah. And there's no audience because of COVID, so they ask the contestants who come in on a given day to stay um, for the whole day, regardless of what their winning situation is. To be the audience. Right. So there's an audience of eight, at least. Um, and so you had you to spend do a, lot of time... a COVID test, didn't you? Before? Well, yeah, we had to do a COVID test a few days before. And then because of COVID, we didn't get to use the green room in the Jeopardy stage because it would have been too small. So we used the wheel of fortune stage was our green room. Oh, it was, it was amazing. Really interesting. Yeah. So we show up and they've cordoned off, they've taped off seven out of every eight chairs in the audience of wheel of fortune. And that's where we sit the 10 or 11 of us, because there's one champion from the week before as they're, as they're getting us up to speed on stuff. Um, and the, the, you can see that the wheel is, is covered in this, in this, uh, like drop cloth on the stage. Yeah. And then, uh, there, there was no wardrobe department. There was one makeup person and he was in like a full hazmat suit, just like <laughs> the scientists in ET, you know, that kind of thing and the mask and the face shield. And he does, he, they set up a, a little makeup chair right in front of the wheel on stage. He gives you a once over with the powder puff. Then he puts that powder puff in a plastic bag, puts that plastic bag in a bigger Ziploc bag, <laughs> hands you that bag. And then it's your job throughout your game to, at every commercial break, you leave your Ziploc bag of powder puff at your feet. And then he comes out 10 feet away from you, asks you to take it out and points at a distance to the parts of your face that are getting <laughs> oh too shiny. And you do your own powder puffing. That's amazing. Yeah, and, and a yeah. little sad because one of the best parts of doing any TV thing is having someone care about your face. Oh yeah, or your clothes. You know, and your I, was, clothes. I was sort of yeah. like, um, I just went to Nordstrom Rack the day before, and um, I just bought way too many things. I wasn't being cocky. It was just like I don't care. I've been in flip flops all summer in the desert. I just don't have what they would call work interview clothes. Is what you right. have to wear. Like there's no jeans. Um, so I just bought a bunch of stuff and I brought it all and I was like, I'm going to return whatever I don't use. If I win a game, I won't feel bad about 
cutting the tags off a new jacket because it will have meant I just won a bunch of money and I can yeah. afford this jacket. So I just brought a bunch of clothes and, you know, you hope that like um, there's at least someone there who's going to like steam your stuff or something. It's like, no, it's, it's very, very bones. There's the one hazmat guy on the makeup duty, but... Um, uh, you, so would you say you spent more time on stage or in the audience? Uh, you're not going to get any of this out of me. You're not going to get any of this out of me. But I... I just, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get you. I'm going to figure out a way to trick you into ruining this embargo. Um, I know. I'm very interested. And in after, when I'm allowed to talk about things, I'm very interested. Uh, or I hope everyone else is interested. I'm excited about talking about even more details. Because yeah, it I was, have. Okay. So let me ask you trip. this. Going in, did you, going in, did you think to yourself, I'm going to do old-fashioned strategy or I'm going to do Holtzauer strategy? I was stressing out the day before as I was for the three weeks that I knew I was going to be on. Uh, Cause this was September 9th is when I recorded. Um, I was listening to a bunch of podcasts as I just went for a walk up in Runyon Canyon. And I was just trying to find any podcast that had Ken Jennings or James Holtzauer on them. And um, yeah, the more I listened to what he was saying, the more it made sense that like the daily doubles are a gift from, from the heavens, you know, yeah. like you have to, if you get one, because really I think it is true that, uh, if you've gotten to the past all the levels to get on the show, if you were left to your own devices to play the board alone, I think most people would probably get 75%, like a really high number. So like most questions, mm -hmm. you know, if you've gotten to that point. So a daily double is just saying, you probably know this and you have the option of doubling your money. Like you should kind of always, unless it's some category you feel really bad about, but in general, they aren't usually harder questions and they almost never show up in the in the bottom row they're right. almost always in the second through fourth rows like you can look up statistical analysis of where they show up yeah yeah so, right if you were going to say there's a lot of ones in that distribution <laughs> is there a event for, yeah so um i mean i'm not giving anything away about how i played but i did listen to that and i and i was like you know this is a tricky thing because also you want to like not piss off the producers mm. which you, you shouldn't really care about but they do write the categories to be read in order as far yeah. as like enjoyment for the audience at home so they don't love it when you jump straight to the highest value one so you have to but they also say you know play the game you want to play so yeah whenever i've watched him i felt like it is impressive but it is more like watching a sport that i'm not participating in because i just it's too hard and then i or then i get excited when i'm answering the last few and it's like oh they don't even care anymore because all the money's gone right and now you're back into my world but yeah lear learning the category is way more fun so if you're not him i think it makes some sense to go with the friendlier version but yeah i mean it's it's really just whatever you want to do but um his his strategy on the daily double is definitely something that i'm surprised more people don't always and i guess everybody sees the money and thinks of it as real money instead of like well this is all to determine who's going to win this game and then at the end it becomes money but, so there um, were people in the audience because one of the things i was wondering about with this season is that it seems like they're doing fake crowd noise like like sports are right now they're yeah. pumping in stupid uh cheers and stuff that aren't actually happening but if there were cast or there were yeah there were other people on the show in the audience they'd get some real claps well i've yet to see on air something that i saw in the studio right but watching the ones that have aired this season it does seem like they sweeten it a little bit which is good because that was the other thing that was, that was sort of a bummer about like being there in this time with alex like you know th he, this should be his his like victory lap you know and instead it's this weird version of the show with no audience and i just watched his uh 2020 um, memorial last night, which was amazing. Mm. And I didn't realize every episode when it's non COVID times, he goes out and does like a Q and a with the audience. So he was bummed. He even said to the contestants, you know, this isn't 
uh, he didn't say it isn't as fun as usual, but you know, he, he sort of lamented the fact that there, there isn't the energy of the audience there. And like, it's, it's just, it's a bummer that his last season couldn't have been this just like constant love fest, yeah. you know, cause he's such a, an amazing. Did you say anything funny? Can you spoil that? I don't think I was funny. You know, I don't care that I wasn't because I oh. just wanted to play, you yeah. know? Okay. <laughs> so I I was more concerned, again, with the anecdotes, like not going long because I just didn't want to have one of those weird edits where you can tell someone. So can <laughs> I can I bounce my theory off you and you can decide not to answer it as relevant? Um, yes, yes. My feeling is that this new season, because they're only pulling people from Southern California in the contestant pool. How did you know that? Because everybody they introduce is from LA. <laughs> well, they, by the time it gets to my week, I don't know if this has already happened, but they encouraged us to, or they, they now originally said, from right. So I'm in, yeah, I'm they started adding originally from, but it was not yeah. before I figured out the pattern. Okay, well, I mean, COVID. Yeah, it makes sense though. And right? it was COVID. Yeah, I was like, no one's traveling for the show. That makes perfect sense. They don't want to put anyone in hotels. So everyone's from LA, and so I, it felt like the average contestant pool was dumber than usual. Oh man, and I'm, I feel I'm, like I'm among that. I, am I part no, of- no, no, no. <laughs> I think you could have done it on any contest. What I'm, what I'm, I, what I felt like was after a few weeks, they made the questions easier. So, did you feel like the questions were easier than the average game you watched before, or harder, or similar? Like, were you surprised by the difficulty level? I, I wasn't surprised. Everything as far as questions was in keeping with my expectation. Okay. okay. Uh, the, the buzzer stuff that definitely. I don't think I'm giving away anything, but also just saying Ken Jennings is right. It is a. Uh, these are his words. I'm not criticizing this show. Ken Jennings has said it is a bad button-based video game first and a trivia game second and that is kind that is not kind of true that is a hundred percent true because the inscrutable uh timing because you can't buzz in until alex has finished the question which is determined by someone on the show whose job it is to determine that he's finished the question who then who then does something that lights up lights you can't see at home next to the screen yes indicating it's you can buzz in but if you wait until you see that light like literally no human can react faster than about 250 milliseconds or so like the, the, take the most elite sprinters in swimming or running um it's just that you're never gonna get maybe you'll get down to like 170 milliseconds but like you know a fifth a quarter a quarter of a second lag time if you're waiting for the light you see and then buzzing in whereas and people theorize that ken jennings did this well you if you start to just sort of anticipate or get a sense for what this guy whose job it is, is doing. Yeah. If you can tap it at the exact same time that he does, you'll get that quarter of a second lead. Cause also if you come in early, you'll be locked out of the question for some non-trivial amount of time. And that's when you see everyone frantically um, oh, hitting yeah. the thing is cause they, they were locked out or they were late. Also you have no feedback. So you don't know if you didn't get it, if it's because you were early or late. So it's a very tricky thing that you have no way to practice for before the day. And I don't think any of this is giving it the way I'm just saying like, it so is interesting. Yeah. 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 Uh, but I don't want to make this all about Jeopardy. I'll, I'll talk about it more when I'm allowed to. Um, but um, it was amazing. And I thrill of a lifetime to get to be on the show with Alex's host. Cause he, geez, I mean, we lost a legend. It's uh can I so ask you? I, I, I know you wanted to move on, but can I ask you one more thing? Oh yeah, we could. We don't. Did we don't you have mention to move on, this podcast on your at any point on the show? I I, I don't want to get in any trouble okay, with okay, the okay. embargo. I mean, I, the, so the reason I ask. Oh, I, I will say they they specifically said you can't plug anything by name because there were mean. two people in this current season who have mentioned where he asked about their podcasts and what the, he's like. You run a podcast about such and such. And so since that happened, my wife has been bullying me to apply for the show <laughs> because I will lose 
<laughs> but you get $1,000 for losing and you plug your podcast. And that well, seems like a good day. You can't plug it by name. I'm also very curious yeah, if, if we do see any uptick because, you know, I think people just don't go from one device to another. Like friends of mine right. have been on panel shows like Chelsea lately. They show your Twitter, Twitter handle and that was like, you know, the better part of a million viewers and they would get three new Twitter followers. I don't yeah. know that it, I, we'll see. I don't know if it's going to translate to any new, um, It'd be fun. But it sounds like you said that, that you're saying yes, but I'm not going to get you in trouble uh, for that. Damn it. No, no. Uh, but no, but, but the, the um, wait, your, your podcast question reminded me there was yeah, no specific plugs. What else was I going to yeah, say? Yeah. What other rules? No sex stuff. <laughs> well, I don't think they would have gotten to the point that it's one of the four questions. <laughs> oh, it, it says here you're in an open marriage. What's that like? <laughs> Um, but whatever, Monday, Monday the sixteenth. Uh, listeners who can access Jeopardy should should do that. Uh, it was it was such a thrill. I am so excited. And to it watch was so that. funny to be like talking about some things that I was um, like as I was studying and I, I would learn things. Like that's when I was listening to that presidential podcast and I kept dropping new president facts. It's because I was trying to oh, bone yeah. up. Yeah, on uh, this, I had like a three week period of knowing that I was going to be on before I was on. I was like, I got to learn. All the British monarchs. I got to learn uh, oh, yeah. every river in the, yeah, in the, the world. Ri- British, British royalty and rivers are my two worst things on that show. And they man- somebody on that show loves rivers because they're oh, way more often love- than they well, are represented in life. quizzes in general. Quiz people love rivers. They love oh, a river. Yeah. Or a port city. That comes up a lot. And I'm like, I don't... And even Alex will say like things like, you know, like oh, of course, that's known as the city on this river. Like No one else calls it that <laughs> except you. By the way, I, I was watching that 2020 special. I didn't realize that he comes in at 6 a.m. They shoot at 11 every day. Um, he comes in at 6 and and Ooh. like reads through every game and every question. Anything he doesn't already know well, he looks up so he would never like not have the context for something. Oh, interesting. Yeah, he really, he, he loved that job. It's it's so cool. Well, can I tell my Jeopardy thing now? Yes, um, yeah, yeah. Which I know that you saw. Um, no, I forgot what it was. Was. on Instagram was that um so I'm uh, my my family legend is that I'm named after Alex Trebek oh god I did I totally forgot that's the most amazing thing yeah well so <laughs> so here, my my whole life my my parents have said what happened was my they, my mom was like watching a lot of TV while she was pregnant she remembers watching Jeopardy every night and they were like struggling really hard on thinking of a name here uh for me and they like at one point my mom looks over at my dad and is like Alex that's a nice name and then they're like yeah we'll do it and so I was like, for my whole life, I was like, if I get bullied into going on Jeopardy to get $1,000 and plug the podcast, I will tell Alex this thing. And I, so I posted a little fun thing on Instagram about that, about how I would tell him. And then he would be like, um, uh, good for you. And uh, also you're in a distant third place. You control the board. And I'm really fun. <laughs> And uh, we're going to double jeopardy with negative five. <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah. Um, he would be so disappointed in me because he's never mad, but he's really bummed when you have no money. Um, no, yeah. Yeah. But so that's what I've always pictured. And then I posted about that and then it, my wife started thinking about it. She's like, that's a long time for him to have been hosting the show. And it turns out he started hosting the show the week after my birthday. <laughs> so oh, it's not true. So it's completely untrue. This I and and I told my mom this uh, on the phone after I found this out and she was devastated because like her whole life was a lie now. Like when you uh, have a when you have I, a memory that you've been repeating so often. One little that? question though yeah. because yeah. I know not all babies have their name immediately right. Some, at birth. Sometimes, right. you know, it's like the baby for a week and a half before the parents. <laughs> right, right. Sometimes you that. figure out what kind of personality they have before yeah. you decide, like, to give them, like, a chat or something. Um, no, I, uh, I Slip was... Slip them a chat. 
Uh, yeah, that when you know that you hate him, that's why you <laughs> right. Um, no, I, I was I was named on the birth certificate day of. And I checked. There was no like test shows before that with him on. He'd done some other things. And he'd Jeopardy done a lot. No, he'd before. done a lot of game shows. But my mom's memory of watching Jeopardy, pregnant, yeah. and doing it, what she's I think she's doing is combining the memory of when my younger sister was born, when she's pregnant with my younger sister, with some other. But she now could not tell me where the name came from. She's like, well, then where did the name came come from? I was like, well, exactly. I wasn't there. I, like, if it wasn't Alex Trebek, I have no idea. So really fun story that I would have told Alex, and then somebody would have looked up and said that that's not true. So I'm glad. <laughs> I didn't get to ruin his day that way. I think one of the stories that I had in my thing for them to pick from was the fact that the first tape I ever owned in my life was Weird Al in 3D, which came out in the summer of 84. It has, I lost on Jeopardy. I lost on Jeopardy. I know every word to this day and I've never heard, or I hadn't heard our loves in Jeopardy for like decades after that. But um, I thought they might like that. And then I remembered that... um, it was always puzzling to me that like the lyric is Art Fleming gave the answers, but I couldn't get the questions right. I I I lost on Jeopardy. Um, and it, if you look it up, the album came out a few months before the reboot of Jeopardy with Alex Trebek because there was the ten year run of Art right. Fleming as the host of the daytime show in the sixties or seventies. So yeah. the whole song is about the pre Trebek version of of the game. Which is... oh, that's a fun fact. I... And the video for it has Art Fleming and Don Pardo, who were the host and announcer before Alex and Johnny Gilbert. Is that and a Don Pardo, to Jimmy Pardo? No, Don Pardo, oh. who did the SNL announcer. Yeah, okay. And he does the spoken interlude in that song where he says, uh, you don't get to come back tomorrow. You don't even get a lousy copy of our home game. You're a complete <laughs> loser. That, thing. that was before you got $1,000. Before I got... Oh, wait. <laughs> no. What? Huh? <laughs> yeah, I'm not saying a word. Mom's the word. Um, but yeah, I, it was a huge, th- oh, no, I, what I was going to say was you were, you were talking about whether you should apply. Yeah. Obviously everything's up in the air now without Alex, but right. I, 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 can't, I would much rather I, do, have done it with Alex than with Ken. Um, I mean that really, yeah, that's a big part of why I suddenly lit a fire. I got, got a fire lit under me to, cause I applied once 27 years ago and didn't make it past the first round. Oh, of but Team now Jeopardy. that it's easier. Well, no, it's more like I, I felt defeated. Uh, right, I didn't know yeah. it was going to be easy. I applied before COVID happened. Um, but yeah, the oh, knowledge. That, oh, like, interesting. Well, yeah, because Alex got his diagnosis back in March of last year. And right. I, and that I was like, oh, my God, he is not going to be the host forever. Like he might retire soon because of this. And I was like, I, I, I want to be on Jeopardy. But more importantly, I want to be on Jeopardy with Alex as host. And that's what like rekindled the. Because, yeah, I lost on the first round of a Teen Jeopardy tryout that I drove from Ann Arbor to Milwaukee for in 93. And then I was like, okay, well, forget this whole thing. And then I just spent 27 years, you know, playing bar trivia and loving watching Jeopardy, but forgetting that I should have tried applying again. And then this reminded me. But I was going to say, so so if if it's coming back soon, I don't know when it will, but um, everybody can apply at any time now. You used to have to wait for online tests at a certain time. You can just start the process now. And then I did, like, all the next rounds on Zoom from Joshua Tree in COVID. It was the strangest thing to do, like these Zoom rooms of other contestants. And um, like I had the the 50 question test with um, Sarah from the Clue Crew, which was also a huge <laughs> thrill. This is all not science. I'm sorry to spend so much time on this. Um, I think you probably have a lot of crossover between okay. them. Yeah. Um, Matt, if you were doing Jeopardy, what would, what would your anecdotes be? Oh, that's a good question. That's know. another reason that's holding they, they, me back because I'm not sure I'd be interesting enough for 30 seconds. Well, they give you prompt fine. questions, don't they? They don't. They don't I, I'm worried about that in the application. They don't just say, yeah, it's, it's "Tell like me dating... five anecdotes." They go like, "Have you ever met a famous person? Have right. you ever <laughs> exactly? Yeah. <laughs> Have you Did ever you... had a potato chip that looked like a celebrity? Yeah. Yeah. Not, not mm. that, but 
it's it, it's sort of like security questions to get back into your account or more like the, it's like the prompts on like uh your bumbles or tinders or whatever you know? yeah who was your favorite teacher right yeah. what's what's your first date deal breaker okay alex what did i see somewhere <laughs> Let me just lay out all my trauma for you right away, Alex, because yeah. I want this to be easier afterwards. Well, while we're talking about trauma, should we segue into a story? Which yes, is... it's about time. I'm sorry for the segue, for the di- di- digression. Because this story is sent in by Andrew Miller. Uh, a new drug Thanks, drugs might be better than regular medicine. Psilocybin, the active ingredient in magic mushrooms, may be four times as effective as an antidepressant. As, All right. as antidepressants. I'm going to put a link to that in the in the show notes there as well, so you can also click on the article if you so choose. But a study has just found that. A new study pre- is presenting the first published data from preliminary human trials investigating the effects of psilocybin-assisted psychotherapy to treat major depressive disorder, MDD. The incredibly positive results have been described as just a taste of things to come with a larger phase two trial well underway. The U.S. Food and Drug Administration, that's the FDA, has granted psilocybin, the primary psychoactive compound in magic mushrooms, a breakthrough therapy designation on two occasions over the last 24 months. Initially, the designation was granted to help accelerate trials for severe treatment-resistant depression, but more recently, the classification focused on trials for major depressive disorder. I don't know what the difference is between those two things. Yeah, well, and you've lived a nice life. They, bo- <laughs> yeah, they both seem like heavy depression. We had another story a f- couple of months ago about ketamine also being a very effective as an antidepressant. So these are like this is John Hopkins uh, Medical Journal. That's a real one, probably. Um, but yeah. I my, my 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 hackles are immediately raised whenever these happen because so many of the people who tell you about them have ponytails. <laughs> <laughs> Like, the story is probably true, but the people who talk about it are people who just want to do mushrooms for fun. And I feel weird about those two cross-pollinating each other. Yeah, there's definitely a problem. And the same goes for when... There have been some promising scientifically carried out trials that show that, for example, marijuana and the active ingredients with it can help with certain symptoms and certain conditions. But then when that gets extrapolated to... Therefore, they're holding back cancer drugs, or they're, they're right. holding back the yes. truth that it cures cancer, so they can yeah. keep selling drugs to you. And you're like, no, no. If 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 a bit of CBD cured all cancers, then I'm pretty sure someone would be getting a Nobel Prize for that immediately. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Th- this is this is how this industry works: is that Pfizer would already own the patent to the genes of marijuana. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> like they'd take it. We wouldn't have it as an option now. You trademark the image of a mushroom. Like, you couldn't even, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, all the people wearing, like, pot leaf t-shirts would be like, well, you gave some money to a to a drug company to get to wear that. Because <laughs> that's how good they are at making money off It's got a picture of exist. Bob Marley on the front and then Gla- GlaxoSmithKline <laughs> on the back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what yeah, if Bob just, Marley had lived long suspicious. enough to do that tour, the GlaxoSmith, <laughs> the, the, the Pfizer-sponsored... Uh, yeah, <laughs> ironically, because didn't he die of undiagnosed cancer? Wasn't it like a foot cancer? I think that's yeah, one of those like things. Yeah, it was like between his toes. Yeah, it was yeah, a like really a little, rare skin little cancer. Toe Athlete's growth. cancer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Probably not. It's terrible. So, over the last few years, promising preliminary research has shown psilocybin to be 
potentially effective in helping terminal cancer patients manage end-of-life anxiety. Mm. Initial trials focusing on depression concentrated specifically on treatment-resistant depression, a clinical classification that categorizes patients suffering from MDD who have not responded effectively to at least two different pharmacological antidepressant treatments during a current depressive episode. MDD is, MDD is much more common with some estimates suggesting over 300 million people worldwide suffer from the debilitating condition. While a larger phase 2 trial testing psilocybin for MDD is currently underway, in this, this new study in the journal JAMA Psychiatry, J-A-M-A, I imagine the J Miley. stands for journal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the opener of the Glaxo. Yeah. With JAMA. JAMA, I hope you like JAMA too. Psychiatry. <laughs> Someone's... Someone's saying psychiatry after every late line, <laughs> <laughs> just awkwardly. <laughs> like a hype man who's it's just a, yeah. a doctor with a tie-dyed doctor jacket. <laughs> He's like the guy who was cast in every 90s hip-hop video as the uptight white guy. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> that camera's way closer to his face than you'd expect. <laughs> Why is it a fisheye lens in person? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like the people you mentioned that are like, the terminally ill cancer patient, I feel like at that point, if they would like to be high for the the end, they're welcome to. Yeah, you'd think. That you, it doesn't, be, even, it yeah. doesn't even have to be that effective for depression. If you just like want to be whacked out. <laughs> it's just... But yeah. Yeah, who is the victim of this crime? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> who is, like... Are we worried they're going to get addicted? Like, That's a very good point. Live it yeah. up. Get addicted to mushrooms. I don't know. <laughs> it's literally impossible, but yes, do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah right? It's not, it's not possible, but also, like at some point, like they, I mean, we because doctors do that. They start giving you morphine in doses that would get you addicted because it doesn't matter. Yeah, like do that yeah. with mushrooms too. Yeah, I have a friend with with a back who had like a ruptured disc, like I had. He finally got to a point that he was just by saying how much pain he was in, they had him on morphine. Like if you just keep saying, oh yeah, unbearable, yeah. I mean, that's to a place where, that's part uh, of a separate problem where you also have a scraped scraped knee. They would give you oxycotton for like six months. Right, 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 right. It's just, uh, <clears throat> yeah. It, I'm not saying it's good or uh, whatever. You know, I do, I do think the uh, Sacklers are horrible people, yes, but yes. there are times when you just need the morphine. I don't know. Like yeah, there yeah. are situations where. But um, but by the way, speaking of this, you guys heard about Oregon, right? Yes. Decriminalizing hard drugs, which is All not the same drugs. as yeah. legalizing, but decriminalizing. You ha- either get a hundred dollar fine or you have to go to a class. That's amazing. It, I, I'm very optimistic. I, as we've talked about before in this podcast, we had uh, Johan Hari who wrote "Chasing the Scream" about the misguided war on drugs. Like this, don't fuck this up, Oregon. If this works, <laughs> this could actually help a lot of people in the future. If we get away from this stupid, <laughs> I mean, Brianna Taylor, that was really about our stupid war on drugs. You know, Absolutely. like it's all this stuff could be fixed. Anyway, and cancer. It's great. It's amazing. <clears throat> You're right. Um, so, I, yeah, the, the, sorry, go for it. No, I was just, I'm excited for Oregon, and especially because I felt like Oregon seems like it should be the place that is experimenting with drug laws, but it was behind uh, a lot of states with marijuana laws. So it's like, I feel like finally they're getting out ahead of something. Yeah. I'm, I'm proud. Good work, Oregon. It's worth pointing out that you are also an, a formerly Oregon person. Yes, yes. As, I, as I, am I. I, I <laughs> yes. Annie and I both spend a bunch of time in that, in that nice city. Uh, was there more to the psilocybin that we hadn't well, gotten yeah, to? Yeah, so, th- so this trial, it, it offers the first peer-reviewed published data showing efficacy for this mental health condition. It's a small preliminary trial which recruited 24 subjects with at least Ooh. two years of documented history of depression. All subjects were required to wean off antidepressant treatments before the trial commenced. 
Depression was assessed using the standard Grid Hamilton Depression Rating Scale. Severe depression scores 24 or higher, while 7 or less is classified as no depression. At the beginning of the study, the average score for the cohort was 23. And oh, so here we go. Pretty high. I, I was wondering about what the actual treatment was. They they gave two doses of psilocybin administered to each subject spaced two weeks apart. A number of psychotherapy sessions both preceded and followed the active psilocybin sessions. So are they it's getting home- psychotherapy as well during the trip? That's, that's what I wonder. Yeah. yeah was some was there a doctor trip sitting them? I think so. I mean, I've seen that footage of you know Just putting like, on some good music and <laughs> right. Like, it would be less. It would be less fun if you like had to talk about your problems yeah. while you were doing it. Taking them outside to really look at a tree. Yeah, <laughs> that's much better, Doctor. Well, have you guys seen like the those black and white vi- films from the '40s or whatever when LSD was first invented, and they have people doing like couch therapy while they're on it? It's they're pretty. Yes, well, there's the adorable. Green, there's the one that was then parodied on the day to day that had the uh, soldiers being given acid. Oh, I didn't think I saw that one. Oh, it's a great little clip. I'll link to that. It's a very famous... It's a See if I can find it now. But I'm pretty sure it was military people they were testing them on. And it, But it's done in this really dry... It's this black and white film strip with a narration is very BBC documentary. Right, right. But describing this ridiculous scene. And they're just tripping balls. Uh, yep. It's fun. I gotta look that up. BBC acid video. <laughs> Note to self and to anybody else who wants to Google that. Um, so, so you said they, they, so LSD they the testing on British Marines in 1964. Nice, fun. And we will link to that. Yeah, there's the a whole YouTube video. Is I, w- I won't even spoil any of the beats. It's a delight. <laughs> awesome. So they gave. So they had the therapy before and after these psilocybin sessions. And then the results were undoubtedly imp- impressive, with 71% of the cohort displaying more than a 50% reduction in depressive symptoms at the four-week follow-up. The average depression score for the cohort had dropped from 23 to 8 a month later, and more than half of the group were considered to be in remission, which I didn't even know was a term you used for depression. But that's oh, yeah. Amazing. Um, uh, also, um, that means 18 of them. That means seventy-one percent is very specific for, oh, a, for a, group a group of twenty-four. That small, where you could just yeah. give the notes. Yeah, <laughs> it, it also does say that it's like Bob and Jerry. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> it, it does say the study is not without its limitations. It's a small sample. I agree with that. Mm-hmm. Yes, with no placebo control. See, that's the bit mm. I take issue with. How do you do placebo? How can you do placebo control right. when the medicine has clear psychoactive effects? Uh, right. Okay. Also, you and what you're asking people to do is people who are terminally ill to wean off their antidepressants. Yeah, well, no, these aren't some ill people. That, that was oh, this a is a different process. group. Okay, these sorry. are just That's, people with this extremely severe depre- and prolonged depression. Okay. But, yeah, if you're taking people with severe depression, you're saying wean off your normal drugs so we can give you this sugar pill, that would be yeah. a bummer. Right, exactly. But also, you'd, you'd know. The, the whole point of a double-blind right. trial is right. neither the uh, clinician who's carrying out the trial nor the patient is right. aware of whether they've taken the placebo or the so, active so drug. In, you, in this or, case, or in some cases, the, the the active drug or the previous active drug, and that's more common these days, where they're not comparing it to placebo, they're comparing it to the other previous best drug. So but, in this case, the, the psychiatrist, uh, psychiatrist or psychologist would, would lead you outside and be like, really look at this tree, and you'd be like, it's a tree, dude. Yeah. And then they would know. Now <laughs> exactly. it's not blind I mean, for like, either of you. 
like you would you i think you'd have a fairly good idea as to whether you take in the psilocybin pill or the sugar maybe you could give them a different trip that doesn't just spin them around a lot on a chair Okay, some of you take a pill, some of you put your head on a baseball bat. That might solve depression. Times. We don't yeah. know. Yeah, it's right? totally Just possible. Hyperventilate and then stand up quickly and I'll punch you in the chest. <laughs> Cross your eyes looking at the sun. Yeah, oh man. Play Remember light- trying to get high when we were seven? Does light as a feather stiff as a board cure cancer? Have you tried this yet? I don't... Which sleepover thing pranks... Yeah, right. If you put if you put a cancer patient's hands in warm water while they're asleep, you know if you took cancer patients and you had them play seven in heaven, oh. you might actually help. Wait, is that that's in the in the closet? Yeah, it's for you in the closet oh, to make right. out or yeah. come back Do out and say you, you did. Sure, yeah. it's lying. Say you did. Yeah, yeah. I think I did that in sixth grade with um, renowned Hillary Clinton shoe thrower uh, Allison. Well, I shouldn't say her name. Whatever the. The girl I did that with. I mean, it's pretty grade. easy to Google. Her name. Yeah, there's okay, so many people yeah. who've thrown a shoe at Hillary Clinton. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, she threw a shoe at Hillary five years ago. Uh, um, I I have never played Seven Minutes in Heaven, but I did play. I've played Spin the Bottle one time, and there were only four of us, and that is not enough. <laughs> that's just that's, that's just two couples making out. Yeah, that's a good point. That's um, it's like it's a real waste of time. Yeah. Uh, by the way, you guys, I was skipping ahead in this story. Did you guys? I. I I think this is the same person because the, the, the number of repeated letters is the same, but this study was supported financially by philanthropist Tim Ferriss. I think it's Oh, the, that sounds right. I didn't know he was into that. That's interesting. I mean, it's got to be him, right? Oh, he's I'm, like a renowned like sort of biohacker. He's a podcaster and author. Or he's he originally got, like, wrote the four-hour four hour work, work week. week. Right, right. Yeah, that's what but, got him famous. And then he wrote the four-hour body, which is mostly about snake oil. So that kind of makes sense <laughs> to me that he'd be into this. Oh, um, hang on. Well, I, that, I don't think he's illegitimate. I just think he's an interesting character. I, I think he's illegitimate. I'd be fine saying that. I think a lot of... <laughs> if you read that book, like half of it is like which which uh, type of Brazil nuts do I have to eat to have sex like a porn star? And then he like, he weighs his poop uh, a lot, which is like, you do know you could just weigh your body before and after. It'd right. be the same number without touching your poop. Anyway. Okay, okay Archimedes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of it. A lot of that book is super suspicious. You're not like, talking about David Avocado Wolf right now. You're definitely <laughs> talking about Tim Ferriss. But by the way, uh, that's Ferris F-E-R-R-I-S-I-S-S. Because if you spell it F A. R-R-I-S-S, you get the guitarist from NXS. Oh, sure. Ah, right, and that. then also he's made mostly of iron. Oh, yeah. No? Oh, he's Ferris. F-E-R-R-O-U-S. <laughs> That's another one. <laughs> I'll take elemental spelling for 600, Alex. <laughs> um, yeah, this is I, uh, an interesting side project for a podcaster. Matt, have we stud- we got to sponsor some studies, I think. Yeah, we should carry what, out some double-blind tests. You like, yeah, what, yeah, what would you like to study? What would you do with your... Um, well, if you take some of your, your fine... Um, uh, was that school online money and you... Uh, well, I was going to say, if I was going to study anything, I would just go to thegreatcoursesplus.com, <laughs> which is actually what I... I didn't want to like do too much more Jeopardy talk right away, but like I used The Great Courses to bone up on all these things I don't know. We were talking about the British monarchy, and I actually watched the uh, History of England from the Tudors to the Stuarts on The Great Courses Plus. Hmm. Not, not all the lectures. There are like, I think, 50, but... Um, Ones on the on the areas I didn't know much about um, the Tudor Revolution and uh, I'm trying to see which other episodes I watched. Do you remember so, them working? Well, I mean, I can't tell you whether <sighs> things came up specifically, but like <laughs> I will say, okay, I'll say there's definitely 
there were things I not not necessarily in this, but there were things that I that I did study in those three weeks that came in useful. So, nice. Um, there's it's not some friends have told me who have been on that there's no point in studying. You know what you know at a certain point, but I disagree. And also, it's just good to know things. And I never knew the British monarchy, so yeah. I went to thegreatcoursesplus.com. If you're a listener of ours, you can go to thegreatcoursesplus.com/slash/probably for a free 14-day trial. And I watched this History of England lecture series from Robert Buchholz, who has a PhD from Oxford. Sorry, Matt, I know it's your sworn enemy. Yep. But also a bachelor's from Cornell. Um, oh, and he's tigers. currently a professor at Loyola. So this is the level of, of mm-hmm. instruction you'll get in all the courses on the Great Courses Plus. These are people who are uh, well-versed in their fields and also chosen for their expertise in delivering these lectures. Um, yep. We've talked about this before. And, this- and the website is platform agnostic as well. You can jump between your phone, your computer, your smart TV, and rejoin wherever you left off the lecture. You can listen to it as a podcast as you're driving around preparing for your run on Jeopardy. And then get home and watch the rest of it on TV. And even if you are in last place, you'll get a thousand dollars more than makes up for the cost of your subscription to the Great Courses Plus, <laughs> which is zero for the first fourteen days. If you go to thegreatcoursesplus.com/probably for a free trial, <laughs> that's true. That's true. And like, even if you're not studying for a game show, you can also use this for so many things that might be useful to your life right now, like how to use mindfulness to manage stress, deal with anxiety, how to make your own pasta from a chef at the Culinary Institute of America. Like, there's so many things that are basically if there's any field of study you're interested in sign up for that free trial and search and chances are you're going to find a lecture on it and you'll get 14 days to learn that thing so so there's, so there's no loss there's no there's no risk to you and yeah you can only gain in in terms of game show winnings that is the great courses plus.com slash probably so hey. if you if you, with that millions of dollars that you were paid for that <laughs> impeccable read what are you guys going to investigate what is not being studied enough Hmm. If I could fund a study, what is yeah. the thing that I am genuinely curious? This is like the same kind of pressure I felt as a kid when you had to pick a science fair experiment because I always thought like, there's nothing that hasn't been studied. What, what are we doing? I'm not going <laughs> to... Baking soda volcano has been figured out. I'm not going to break new ground here. <laughs> Wasn't uh, there like a 12-year-old though who did something a couple weeks ago that was like a really helpful for COVID? Oh, no, I'm not saying... I was wrong. I'm saying I was wrong when I thought yeah, okay, everything cool. had yeah, been yeah. done. I just was yeah. so close-minded about what... what the possibilities even were that I was like, how could a 12 year old even have a question that hasn't been answered? I like the kind of studies that end up in a Mary Roach book. Do you know what I'm talking we've, about? We've had Mary Roach on the, on the, on the podcast. You have. Oh, yeah. incredible human. Um, but like, I want the sort of thing. It's like, I made pants to capture farts. And then right, like, right. Like, you know, if Mary Roach calls you, you've been doing some goofy science and that <laughs> that's true. That is excellent. So I want I want you to study something that, that would get her interest. Yeah. Like what about uh, basically I want to fund a study that will get Matt, that will get both of us on the vomit comet. So if there's something oh, we can we've talked about this before, and then we've done very little to actually make it happen. Mary yeah. Roach was the one who told us about the various ways you can get on the comet during. Isn't that one episode. of them money? One of them is definitely money, but we okay, were looking yeah. for more ways that didn't involve shelling out tens of thousands of dollars, or well, maybe. But hundreds. you're also like only a couple weeks away from being able to do the Blue Origin weightless experience, the and what? that seems way less vomity. What is it now? Blue Origin. It's the. It's one of the. It's like a SpaceX competitor. I haven't um, heard of this. Is that, you haven't heard of Blue Origin? Blue it's Origin. A, is that Jeff, Virgin Richard Branson or is no, that so the uh, that Bezos is Virgin one? Galactic? This is Bezos. Yeah. Okay. And they are focused on doing this one rocket that has like eight passengers, and it just goes up, and then you're weightless for like four minutes, and then you come back down. This sounds um, like the guy who was trying to prove that the Earth was flat, um, and proved it was hard. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like that, except they're professionals. Okay. Good. Um, Blue Origin is such a weird name. 
Um, and I, yeah, and they certainly uh, would be happy to explain to you where that comes from, and I've forgotten. I assume it's from coming out of the ocean, but I, and our planet being blue from space, but I don't actually remember. Yeah, you're right. That's what the Wikipedia page for it says, at least. They're well, interesting. They're not as I, I'm a big fan of space, and they're they're not as quite as fun as SpaceX because they can't orbit, and it's turns out it's way harder to go around in a circle than it is to just go up. But yeah, they are the think, one that yeah. seems like they're going to have passengers first, and they can they can land these things. Yeah, yeah, they've done okay. I think I think eleven successful tests in a row of it. And is it? And, uh, do you know if they're using any of the same kind of like recovering the first stage stuff that SpaceX does? Or they so no. The so there's. Stage, this, I mean, just... it's straight up and down, and they land both parts. So yeah, they land the whole. It's it's a single stage because you're not going to orbit. So you, oh, the so whole you're, you're landing with the fully fueled up thing. You attached. do separate the rest of the, the 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 thing comes down, but it's just capsule and rocket, and the rocket lands um, vertically beautifully, and then your capsule um, goes slower with parachutes. Yeah. Okay. And a little bit of retro thrusters, but the uh, there's not a second stage because you're not going in a circle, which is the hard part. By the way, speaking of soft landings, um, I think I could say what if I don't name a name. I, I happened to come across someone from SpaceX, and I was talking about plans. I'm trying to think whether they said this was. I don't think it's. I mean, SpaceX obviously has their eye on Mars. People are talking yes. about that, but um, you know, before they send humans, they're going to send a probe. But I asked if they were going to do a similar. Uh, landing technique as NASA and JPL with with that sky crane, and I yeah. I, I, got, I got this great kind of scoff. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, you guys are. Yeah, I, I guess I guess they can beat the sky crane with their uh, descent onto the red planet. Well, I, I'm going to give NASA some credit for having done it, as opposed it to awesome. just talked about it. It was so cool. Yeah, yeah. I think and the the the, awesome. the, yeah. the one that's going to land next year is going to do that too. Oh, the same, the sky crane again? Yeah, they're doing yeah. the sky crane a second time. The new if it one. works, it works. It's great. Yeah. yeah, and the I was actually just this morning watching a video about why they do that, um, which is because if you the because the the whole Mars rover that we just sent Perseverance is like over a ton, and so with the amount of weight you'd be landing, the amount of thruster you'd have to have downward would create a huge crater that then you'd have to climb out of later. Plus, oh. you'd have to get down from on top of this huge rocket. And so you'd have a bunch of danger with it rolling down the ramps. Whereas if it's coming down on a wire, as soon as it touches the ground, you Good sever the cable and take off. That's awesome. So you're just le- you can actually be where you want to be and not have to dig out of a crater or come down off a ladder. Beat that, SpaceX. <laughs> While we're talking about ways of making money through research, this story was tweeted at us so... by Alien DNA on Twitter. I don't want to ruin this segue by <laughs> noticing it, but I see you, Matt. What? What? I don't want, it was such a good segue. I just want to oh, give you oh, credit. Okay. I don't want to ruin it by talking about it, but I also <laughs> want to credit you. It was a very good job. I, I Thanks. See it. Thanks, Alex. So I think we actually had talked about this technology before, but it is now being acknowledged with Canada's top science prize, a million dollars. I believe a million dollars Canadian has gone to the University of... $750 million. Yeah. Has gone Seven, to uni- a University of Toronto professor, Molly Shoikett, who has who designed gels to mimic human tissues. Hmm. Ooh. So, yeah, she's a Toronto-based chemical engineering professor, and she's won the $1 million Gerhard Herzberg Canada Gold Medal, which is the country's top science prize. The um, What do we so, do with these skin gels? So yeah. they are hydrogels that are used for drug development and delivery and regenerative medicine to heal injuries and treat diseases. Hmm. The National Sciences and Engineering Research Council of Canada 
which announced the prize, said that her work has led to the development of several game-changing applications of such materials. They deliver a crucial breakthrough by allowing cells to be grown in three dimensions as they do in the body, rather than the typical two dimensions in a petri dish. Mm. Her con- collaborations with biologists have led to applications to treat cancer, stroke, and degenerative blindness. So hydrogels are polymer materials, materials such as plastics made of repeating units that become swollen with water. If you've ever eaten jello, that's a hydrogel, said Shocket. I have. Yeah, well, that's a hydrogel right there. Wow. Slime, um, so is slime and the absorbent material inside disposable diapers. So she has um, invented a new way to test these drugs that are going to do all of these amazing therapeutics and also probably will be available for purchase from the Nickelodeon merch store. Yeah, sure. exactly. <laughs> It's great, if, great to keep you your kids occupied. If yeah. you want to save money, you could just say, I don't know, and it'll just appear. You don't yeah. actually have to buy it. Yeah. She just pours hydrogels on you from yeah. a good height. Yeah. I love it. So these hydrogels are specifically designed to mimic tissues inside the human body. Most of our tissues are very soft, and that's what hydrogels are. We've established. Yeah. So, a little, little bit of a bio on her. She was born in Toronto, studied science and engineering at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology and the University of Massachusetts Amherst. After graduating, she worked in the biotech industry alongside, quote, brilliant biologists. She noticed <laughs> that the biologist research was limited by what type of materials were available. As an engineer, she realized she could help by custom designing materials for biologists. She could make materials specifically to suit their needs, to answer their specific questions by designing hydrogels to mimic particular tissues. She said, there is no existing material that has the properties we're looking for, and so we end up inventing these new materials. That's so exciting. This is incredible. She's obviously an incredible scientist, and I'm sure that when she said, quote, brilliant scientists, that wasn't as obviously a lie as it sounds like. Yeah. It's so vague. Well, she was, that was, the, the rest of it was just describing her life. And then it, she was a quote from her saying she worked with brilliant biologists. Yeah, that um, sounds suspicious. So <laughs> give uh, me some names, doctor. <laughs> I'll just, de- I'll decide. <laughs> well, uh, there are three spin-off companies now that have formed from her collaborations with biologists, Damn. including Amakathera, which has recently approved to run human trials of a long acting anesthetic delivered with an injectable hydrogel to deal with post-surgical pain. This comes a bit full circle with what we were talking about. Because um, she says, Struckett noticed that drugs given to deal with that kind of pain leads to a quarter of opioid addictions, which Mm. have been a deadly problem in Canada and worldwide. What we're really excited about is not only meeting the critical need of providing people with greater pain relief for a sustained period of time, but also possibly putting a dent in the operation. Okay. In the operation meaning, wait, in the... I'm just going to say, though, that that company's never going to make it. That name is just a, awful. A, maca, a, macathera, a macathera. And the T in the middle is capitalized. So it's one word, a middle capital. No one's going to buy that stock. Well, I mean, you heard what the new drug name, the COVID drug name is, right? Oh, no, I didn't. The super cold one? Oh, it's uh, it's been the subject of the same joke on Twitter everywhere, but I love it every time. <laughs> um, I don't want, I'm not going to remember it off the top of my head. It's, um, oh, wait. I think I'll just have to go to any one of the great comics who did jokes about its page. Um, <laughs> Uh, Maybe I was too caught up with this whole lawn care thing. I didn't see it, but... Just give me 10 seconds to find out the name of this groundbreaking new... It's it's a name you can't even pronounce. Um, Oh, I'm I'm going through Blaine Kapatch's Twitter feed, who's past guest, one of the funniest guys alive, who also references the um, 
gay black uh, <laughs> oh yeah of course that's the better story today <laughs> oh my god what a great yeah, story how how quickly the uh four seasons got swept aside for the well, when you were talking story. about what a great day saturday was and then sunday was sad i was thinking like I, he did get elected. Biden got elected on Saturday, but mostly it was great because of the Four Seasons thing. I mean, that's yeah, that was amazing. I don't I, think I've ever had more fun than watching that do, story unveil. Do we still think that it is an accident? I mean, it, is it possible that level of incompetence is... I, I, <laughs> There's no, this is what's great about the story, is there's no answer that isn't hilarious. Because if it was right. on purpose, like they were trying to dupe us, that's hilarious. If it was on accident, it's hilarious. Yeah, or and if it was on purpose because they genuinely thought a garden center was like in, a, in an industrial strip mall on the edge of town was the best place to hold a presidential press conference. But the, well, I mean, yeah, I could see, okay, great. let's steal man them. Before we make fun of them, let's steal man them. And like Trump maybe is trying to show he's a man of the people and find sure. this blue collar business. It's the best case scenario. And he chose a, a, a inappropriate, an unfortunately locationed and named business as his but blue collar. But he tweeted thing. that it was at the hotel and then changed it. He right, had a second tweet right. saying it was at the lawn center. So he... <laughs> He did, was not in, did, was not doing that, or some. If somebody was, he just assumed they yeah, weren't doing that. Yeah. But either way, somebody at a lawn care center got a call yeah. to do a press conference, <laughs> and they ran with it. It's, it's they amazing. they they were like, yeah, we can do that. Why not? We'll take your money. We have a parking lot. That's in. That's, oh they're yeah, not they're now selling they, merch. Yeah, yeah. They. I, I saw that today. It was like once you, the, the the kind of traction they had on Saturday. You're mostly an online T-shirt salesman now. That's your main business. So you might uh, not ever cut a lawn again. <laughs> um, back to the ridiculous COVID drug name. This was yesterday. It might be why you didn't see it, Alex. Um, yesterday, the FDA issued an emergency use, use authorization for the investigational monoclonal antibody therapy called Bamlanivimab. <laughs> For the treatment of mild to moderate COVID-19. And everybody had the same tweet, which is, whoa, Black Betty, bam, bam, and Uh, Twitter is overrun by Nazis and largely bad, but moments like this, it's like, I'm so glad we have this. We should explain, by the way, for anyone who didn't catch the story, what the new one is, the gay black man. Oh, yes. uh, yes. Which is a very not gay and not black Yes. Congressional is it a congressional candidate? I believe no, he's actually candidate. a congressman. I thought. Oh, okay. No? So defending um, incumbent candidate. I think candidate. so. Oh, he's a congressional hopeful who lost oh, his primary okay. race earlier this year, but he is a former oh, member okay. of the county board of commissioners in his in his county. Uh, and yeah, he clearly what's clearly happened is he's running at least one, if not several fake accounts from various different demographics to tweet in support of donald trump yes and this one said as a i'm i'm a gay black man and i support blah blah. (laughs) and and what he did was the classic thing that people with pervert accounts do is they forget to switch before they reply so he replied to his own tweet saying with the same account saying i am a gay black man and i agree with this and that is just one of the most delicious things you can find on Twitter <laughs> is somebody accidentally deleting from their pervert account and not, or tweeting from their pervert account and not changing. Ugh, I love it. I mean, it, it, again, I'm not trying to give this rebuttal any credence, but he claims that he was trying to quote someone he knew who had said that and he did that incorrectly. And just didn't do quotes and like has never done a quote before and doesn't I, know how that works. I mean, and, uh, yeah. I don't, I, this happened just before we started recording, but. So I can't, I'd only seen the headline, 
but it seems now the newest part of the story is yes. that the person he claimed he was trying to quote is the nephew of Patty Lapone. Patty what? LaBelle. Oh, is it Patty LaBelle? That oh, makes a lot it makes more a sense. difference. It makes a big difference. Yeah. I believe it was Patty LaBelle. Well, that makes uh, a lot more sense. I, I only saw the headline. What well, with one of yeah, them Patty being LaBelle. black. Yeah. Yeah. William Holt is his name. And he did a video where he like takes credit for it, but also the account was suspended by Twitter because it's fake. I mean, this story got weird. This wow. story is like it's yeah. 12 it levels. It is Patty LaBelle's either son or nephew, depending on which story you read. Yes. Oh my God. Wait, does that mean he's he actually was quoting somebody or he found a black gay guy really he, quickly who likes Trump? I, this is what this is what I'm, I, I, who knows it's impossible to know at this point it is a fast moving story by the time this pod comes out people will be they'll be it'll turn out that actually that guy is a robot like there's just no way to <laughs> predict it's just so good but isn't it like as much as i hate the nazis on twitter isn't it just a, a thing that we couldn't have reveled in the same way before if if it weren't for the victory on Saturday, wait, what, what do you no, mean? No, I mean, Saturday? like, if it weren't for Twitter, we couldn't have spent, as, like, this communal laughing at the lawn care story just wouldn't have happened five years ago, ten years ago. Yeah. Like, what I mean, an amazing space we have to just spend the day watching everyone who's funny make the make jokes about it, each one better than the last. You like a, you like a comedy pylon better than a functioning democracy? I mean, I like a comedy si- pylon well, as much as... Well, that's a false dichotomy. <laughs> I don't think... I, if that's the the cost, I refuse to pay it, sir. But if I can have both, I would love it. Right. I know it is. Occasionally, Twitter is fun, and this last week has has been that. So oh, it's been so fun. <laughs> I still don't really tweet much. I mean, I feel like I kind of have to like plug Jeopardy a little bit. But yeah, um, get out there. I, I don't know. Yeah, whatever. It's gonna be what it's gonna be. Yeah, I think people are gonna watch Jeopardy even if you don't tweet about it's it. It's an interesting time to be on. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Anyway, sorry, uh, Matt. Was there more to our last? Uh, no, I Let's think see. that that's most of the story. Okay. I think we nailed the gag story. <laughs> we covered that, and we're, we're also pretty much at the end of the episode. Oh, that's a good point. Oh, we, we should wrap things up. But um, Alex, are you able to hang out to do one extra story for the Patreon patrons? You know, I'm a man of the people, and I don't like the idea of paywalled content. But <laughs> um, I, you know what? I want you to get as much money as possible for your ridiculous research that you haven't thought of yet. So I'm gonna, I, <laughs> it's going to involve vomit comment weightlessness. Money. Don't worry. Yes. Gonna, I'm, I'm gonna, I'll stick around so you can pay for your vomit comment. Wait, okay. Um, I'm sure. I don't want to Google this because I'm, I'm sure someone studied it. But like uh, carbonated soda in your belly in zero gravity, what happens with the burps? Do they push liquid out? It's probably in Mary Roach's book, but that's going to be for our sure. Study. Is yeah. Do you, would you burp differently, better, worse? Would you? Well, yeah, because the air, yeah. the, the 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 gas is not going to be um, by gravity going to the top and where your esophagus is. You're just going to have this equal mix in your belly of of gas and liquid and therefore if you burp wouldn't it just push out this uh fromy foamy uh frothy mess is my guess but we we need the money to get on the on the vomit comment in order to this test is a good this. one is just you're you're gonna raise money with your patreon campaign yeah. so that you can go up in the vomit comment and drink a bunch of coke yes i'm into it i'm supporting that I'm, i'll stick around for that for sure okay in that case patreon patrons we will have a story up for you um and in the meantime, where can our listeners find you and find out more about what you do, Alex? Well, I I do a podcast. Yeah, so I do a podcast. That, it's funny, when you texted me tonight, Andy, the last time we had texted was 2017 when I asked you to do a podcast and you said no. Um, Wait, I did? Hold on a second. What? 
I never you, say no to podcasts. You, you, you were, uh, you were. It was during a Bridgetown weekend, and you had something to do. Oh, it was very okay. reasonable. Um, it was totally fine. Um, but I was like, oh yeah, I guess I forgot to ask you again after 2017. So I will have you both on at some point. But I do a podcast called Read It and Weep, which is um, used to be about books, and it's not anymore. Okay, nice. Oh, you also, I forgot you also were on our podcast indirectly recently with your amazing letter to NASA. You read my letter from NASA? Yeah, that yeah. was so sweet of you guys. I really did appreciate that. And you were very nice about it. Although I will say you were, you were like beforehand, you were like, if, even if this is a hoax, it's well written. And then when you were like, it's a hoax. And then you were like kind of disappointed. Well, I just, and I'm I, disappointed in my own intellect. Like I thought I knew. Well, it was one of those <laughs> things. I don't know if you've ever done a hoax on accident. I did not. It, you know, people do this like, you know, where they Photoshop over somebody's tweet with like a ridiculous quote and you'll be like, crazy that this is true. And so I did this like super silly fake rejection letter from applying to NASA. And I was like, crazy that NASA was so mean to me. And I assumed everyone would get that it was a joke. And <laughs> it uh, it didn't. The, the Australian news people who called me, they had no idea it was a hoax. Like, or not, it wasn't a hoax. I was like, I felt it was a bad. It was, comedy. it was comedy writing. Yes. Yeah, I was okay, like, was, this is like, yeah, this is, yeah. A, I mean, it's not. Obviously, I missed the tone somewhere. But no, this is just it was, jokes. No, no, all these things are evidence of how good it was. These are not fault as, faults of yours. These are, I appreciate these are that. features, not bugs. Yeah, yeah. thank you. So, um, yeah, you can. Uh, uh, I feel like I, now I shouldn't mention every, anything by name because that's against your Jeopardy rules. But uh, <laughs> Read and Weep is, is it my my podcast that I'll have you both on at some point talking about movies. Um, it used to be about books; it's now about movies. And for this season, this year, we've been doing something called slightly condescending film school, which <laughs> is my two co-hosts know a lot about movies, and I don't know anything, and they are real mean to me about it. And so we watched usually something very good, and then they criticized me for not knowing what motif means <laughs> it's a lot of that so read it and weep is the podcast excellent and, and uh twitter and your other yep. things yeah twitter uh, and instagram alex uh underscore on one not on the other one doesn't matter just search for alex falcone you'll find me alex like trebek falcone like the batman falcones <laughs> i wish you hadn't looked up the dates to find out that you can't say your name after i I'm know gonna say your name after isn't him. that terrible yeah. I, I like the idea that maybe they waited a week that's a good answer of how to get around it but yeah um, also, I hate to find out like who it actually I was actually named after because it's definitely somebody worse. I hope it's Alex <laughs> Van Halen. I hope it's from the drum oh. intro to Hot for Teacher. Your parents are just like his I drums sound like a wasn't. motorcycle. Yeah. <laughs> I suspect that I don't know. Maybe my mom. My mom was a teacher for many years. Maybe she liked that she, song. Maybe she had people who were hot for her. <laughs> she well, your dad she taught, daughters. She taught well, first to point. third grade music. So I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you so much for joining us. You can oh, find my... us. Oh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just. I'm so such a delight. I, I will say quite honestly that uh, the, I've. I my wife was like when I told her I was going to do the show. She was like, "This is your dream." I've always wanted to be on the show. I love oh, you guys both. Oh, it should have happened a long time ago. I'm sorry. Well, it's I'm very glad we made it happen because yeah, yeah, it's been really fun. You guys are both incredible, and I'm just such a yeah. So I'm just chuffed to bits to be a part of it. Oh, likewise. Well, we're likewise. delighted to have you on it. Uh, you can find us as always at probablyscience.com. On Twitter, at Probably Science, individually at Andy T. Wood and at Matt Kirshen. Uh, probablyscience at gmail.com is the, web, is the email address if you have any questions, comments, clarifications, stories you would like us to cover. And also, as always, you can find the show notes at probablyscience.com and also our donation pages where you can donate via PayPal or Patreon. Thank you so much to everyone who helps us keep this thing going financially. Yes. We are mere weeks away from going into space. <laughs> Thanks to your kind with, generosity. With the combination of Patreon and all of Andy's Jeopardy winnings. Uh, <laughs> you're not getting anything out of me. You're not getting it out of me. But do watch on Monday, November 16th. Uh, and Tuesday and Wednesday. <laughs> you're not Maybe. getting anything out of me. 
Watch on Monday, November 16th. Bye. But thanks so much, everybody.